Welcome to the Fan Experience, a Phoenix Rising supporters podcast. Stick around for interviews, analysis, fan stories, and our love affair with Phoenix Rising. And now to kick things off is your host, Niall McCarthy. Phoenix Rising family, thank you for joining us. We have a great show lined up for you today. As we move from the off-season to the pre-season, we're counting the days for when our boys take to the field. The first game that's open to the public is Saturday, February 19th. That's against Louisville City. It's here at Wild Horse Pass and I can't wait to see you there. Lou City have an impressive lineup, including former rising player Amadou Dia, who was signed in the off-season to take the left full-back position that became vacant when Jonathan Gomez made headlines with a transfer to Real Sociedad's reserve team. There have been a lot of headlines and newsworthy items going on in the USL this week and John Morrissey from the USL Tactics show, that's at USL Tactics on Twitter, is here to bring us up to speed. Kelly is with us to continue a special segment developed for the off-season called Where Are They Now? In that segment, she looks at a few former Phoenix Rising players, talks about where they are now and reflects on whether their time with Phoenix Rising benefited their careers. A fun segment with a serious side. Last week, the spotlight was on striker Chris Cortez. This week, we turn our attention to centre-back AJ Cochran. I learned a lot from this segment. I know you'll enjoy it. We're kicking the show off today with our lens focused squarely on a player who is new to Phoenix and new to the Phoenix Rising roster, Scotsman Greg Hurst. The assumption is that Greg will be our number one striker for the 2022 season. We've seen several strikers come and go over the last couple of years, Rufat Dadashoff, David Egbo, Darren Maddox, and we're so excited to see what Greg can bring to the table. Joining me to talk about Greg and his successes in his career so far is Brandon Mays. Brandon writes for USLLeagueOneReview.com. You can connect with him at BrandonMays18 on Twitter. Brandon's going to kick us off today. Then John Morrissey is here to fill us in on happenings around the league. And then Kelly wraps it up with part two of our Where Are They Now segment featuring AJ Cochran. Enjoy! This is Bobby Dooley, General Manager of Phoenix Rising Football Club, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. Brandon Mays, welcome to The Fan Experience. You're here to talk to us about Greg Hurst, the Scotsman who moved from Union Omaha in USL League One up to Phoenix Rising on January 17th, 2022. I'd like to start with a quote from you from a piece you wrote predicting that Greg would get picked up by a USL championship team, and it was a solid prediction. So you wrote, Greg is a lethal striker with a point to prove. His love for the game underlines the sheer talent that runs through his veins and feet slash brain. I love that quote, Brandon. It's high praise. It tells me that we have a lot to look forward to with Greg Hurst. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, the thing is, is people like Greg, even though I don't want to say this as a Greenville fan, they make it really easy to praise. Um, he's a really good player, and I'm really excited to spend some time talking to, with about you. Awesome. So let's talk about you for a little bit before we talk about him. I learned that you're an Arsenal fan and a Greenville Triumph supporter. Am I right so far? That is correct. Begrudgingly the former okay. and positively the latter. Yes. Okay, <laughs> cool. 
And you're in Greenville, South Carolina. And just so that our listeners know, that seems to be right in the middle of Georgia, Atlanta, and Charlotte. Correct. Yeah, we're kind of in the we're in the foothills of the mountains near um, the the Appalachian Mountains, Appalachian Trail, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I live in a, a wonderful little area that's a combination of awesome. all the best things. Right on. Okay, so tell us about Greenville Triumph. They were one of the first teams to join League One. They've played for all three seasons, and they've done really well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, they've they've had a really great few seasons. Obviously, there is the uh, the joke that uh, you know we we hold a lot of a lot of records, some great records, some not so fun ones. You know, uh, with us having the first score goal scored on us uh, in League One history. Um, but besides that, uh, there's been a lot of success and a lot of great stuff happening down in Greenville and people like John Harks, Rick Wright, um, Alex Blackburn, the, the coaching staff there, as well as all the players have been a huge part of the success there. And it's been really, as a fan, awesome to see. And, uh, for Greenville, it's been a really cool thing. Awesome. And you mentioned your head coach and, um, yeah, that, that was, that was a good get to, to get him in uh, as your, your head coach. And, and I, he signed for a number of years, right? John Harks, we'll know him from U.S. men's national team. And he served as the head coach of FC Cincinnati when they were doing really well yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. It was really an amazing get, honestly. And the fact that he's he's committed to our community and he's been a, such an awesome part of it for so long now. It feels like forever. It's only been three years going into our fourth year. And uh, it's just been really cool to have him uh, on uh, the staff here, obviously, um, and see how he's kind of gave Greenville an identity. Um, and it's been really cool. The whole coach, coaching staff, in fact, has been awesome. But uh, you know, having John Harks here, that big get was, was just a really cool thing for our city. And uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a big deal when it comes down to uh, why players want to play here, uh, why, uh, you know, the, the intelligence he has. Uh, in terms of tactics and all kinds of ex- game experience and things like that. So. And he's brought you success. You've been to the final all three times and you won it in, in 2020. All three so times. Yeah, that's amazing. it is. Yeah. And obviously uh, fans of Union Omaha who are listening to this when they're thinking about Greg Hurst would probably uh, take issue with the, the title, but uh, we're taking it. Greenville's taking it and uh, we don't care that... Uh, <laughs> that it was won via uh, uh, a forfeit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and we actually talked about that on this show and we felt hard done by that. The same didn't happen to mm. us that year when it was us and Tampa Bay Rowdies. Anyway, <laughs> I think we've, we've beat that to, to death on, on this show. Um, so Brandon, um, how are you guys shaping up for the 2022 season? How are things looking? Man, I'm excited. It's a it's a very different team to what we've had last year so far. Um, people like Benton Evans are coming in. And uh, obviously, we've got our, our great squad that's coming back. I think we have, I believe it's 11 returning players at this point, maybe 12 uh, at least. Um, but uh, we, we've just had a lot. Obviously, like that's one awesome thing about Greenville is the consistency, the desire to play for John Harks and this coaching staff there um, and just the community that's built. But also we have, like I said, a lot of talented players coming. And you've got Benton Evans, Noah Frank, um, and, uh, something, and a couple other players who are just really high quality. And um, it's looking like, well, it's looking a little different. Obviously, Jake Keegan's coming back too. Um, but – 
it's it's looking like we will have a, a pretty awesome season. Okay, great. Well, good luck. We'll be keeping an eye out. So let's talk about Greg Hurst. So he is from Scotland. He played in Scotland. Um, he played with a lot of different teams over there. And then he made his jump over here to the USL. And he played for Chattanooga, Chattanooga Red Wolves in 2019 and 2020. So that's in Tennessee. And then he made the move to Nebraska to play for Union Omaha in 2021. So would I be right in saying that 2021 was his breakout year, Brandon? Oh, man, uh, that's tough. Um, because, you know, obviously Greg's story is really different, right? He, uh, he like you said, he, he played in a lot of places in Scotland. Uh, he went on trial at Everton. And that's a really funny story. I will really quickly give a shout out to the guys at Who Gives a Hoot Media. Uh, they're a Union Omaha podcast. And they actually have two podcasts, I believe at least, that uh, are featuring Greg Hurst. He tells a story. Uh, and then also uh, a one that's a kind of postseason um, talking about what happened and things like that. And so if you want to listen to those, the guys uh, at who gives a hoot are great in the off season. Uh, and then we become bitter rivals during the season, but uh, they have two great podcasts with Greg Hurst. And he talks a lot about his story and how he actually started as a center midfielder. Um, and kind of, he said, what is kind of normal in Scotland is players who develop later who aren't as big. They kind of tend to get cut. Uh, because of their their size and physicality, uh, because the game is a little more physical uh, in Scotland, um, and so he uh, he struggled a bit and then uh, signed with his his next team. And at one of his games, uh, he was asked to play striker, apparently because the striker had to work that night. Um, he was he was busy. It happens. Yeah, <laughs> when your striker just has to do his other job. Uh, and so he played striker, and it just so happened that an Everton scout was there, and he scored a couple goals. And apparently, the Everton scout kept coming back, and he kept scoring more goals. And before he knew it, he was on trial at Everton for a week, week or two, um, and having. Oh, he he said it was he learned more there in the time he was there than he learned pretty much at any time, any time before watching people like Lukaku. And he said he was there with like Tom Davies and not realizing how great Tom Davies was going to turn out. Um, just being there with those players and learning from them, seeing them play um, was an incredible experience. And then obviously um, he had that time uh, with St. Johnson and uh, started out great and then didn't, didn't end so well. And he ended up going uh, part-time. And that was what was really cool is um, he was at that time really considering, is he going to keep, you know, is he just going to do part-time or is he going to really stick with football? And uh, apparently one of the players uh, is named Nikki Patterson knew uh, the assistant coach down at Chattanooga had played with him, uh, had played in the States. And he was like, you should maybe try, try the U S and apparently his time uh, playing part-time really helped him kind of reinvigorate his love for the game. And, uh, you know, he's like, I want to give it a shot. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go try and prove myself in the U S. And so that's, that's kind of what initiated the, the, um, move to the Red Wolves, I assume. And I don't know this for a fact because literally nowhere, he doesn't mention in the podcast. It's not on any articles. I assume the assistant coach was Iman Zayed. I I'm going to probably butcher this name. So forgive me, uh, Iman Zayed. And, uh, he is now the head coach over at, uh, Northern Colorado hail hailstorm. So, uh, you know, a lot of really cool stuff going on there with, um, just quality people in league one and all over the place who, uh, are making us soccer look really good. And so, awesome. you know, he comes awesome. into, uh, 
his time at Chattanooga. And honestly, after 2020, uh, there was a lot of talk of him getting looks already to the championship. Um, and if you read another shout out, John Morrissey, USL Tactics article today, uh, you know that that's not always a, a good move for players, right? It can be a really hard jump from League One to the championship just because there's a lot of a lot of factors involved in, in moving up a league, um, especially from a league that's so young to one that's so established. And um, so I, it's probably a really smart move on his part not to move up, even though I think probably 2020 could have been considered his breakout season. Uh, and then 2021 comes and talk about breakout season. I mean, like if, if, if 2020 was his breakout season, good grief, you know, 2021, he <laughs> proved it. And everything that people thought about him already that kind of, you know, some of the championship teams kind of were looking at, um, he went ahead and said, just you wait, just watch. And uh, 2021 was a crazy year for Greg Hurst. And I hate to say that as a Greenville fan, uh, <laughs> but it, it was incredible. Okay, so he he has two years in Chattanooga. So what prompted the move for him to go to Nebraska? You know, obviously, you look at teams like Union Omaha, uh, who are doing well, who are who are ambitious, um, and coaches like Jay Mims. Um, I mean, for me, I think that's that's really a no brainer. Coming into you know, he had players coming alongside him too, like Connor Doyle, who played with him at Chattanooga. And so there's a lot of chemistry there, you know, and, uh, and a chance to prove yourself. Um, and I would imagine too, I don't know, again, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't imagine a chance to play at a, at a good club, you know, who just had a shot at the title. Um, playing there for another year instead of hopping on up to the championship gives you a chance to really uh, kind of cement your place as a great striker. And um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why not including his goals, or whatever that, that makes him a great striker. Obviously goals are king when you're, when you're up front. Um, and so, yeah, he is uh, that, that extra year, I think really um, kind of is what is cementing his place here and probably what got the attention of Phoenix rising. Okay. And, and Union Omaha obviously had a fantastic year. So just in case anybody, any of our listeners don't know, they won the regular season and then they went on through the playoffs and won the cup final. So an incredible year. And uh, tell us about, tell us about what his record was during that time. How many goals did he actually score? Yeah. So this year at Union Omaha, uh, he played in the two striker system. Obviously they, they play a nice solid four, four, two. But he scored 14 goals this season, along with two more assists to add to that. Um, and the, th- the really cool thing about Greg Hurst is that when you look at those goals, you hear 14 goals. That's pretty, that's pretty solid for a league one striker, especially one where uh, you're in tandem with another striker. Uh, but uh, you think, okay, like, yeah, he's a great striker. That's awesome. But when you look at the stats, when you look at his gameplay, it's kind of scary because not only is he just you know, a really good finisher, but it really doesn't matter what foot it is. I mean, the man scored eight with his right foot, five with his left foot and one with his head. And uh, I mean, even you look back to his time at Chattanooga, he was banging in goals with his left foot. And sometimes I wasn't even really sure if that was his weak foot because, I mean, it was just so strong. And so um, 14 goals is already strong. But when you look at how he did it, I mean, fantastic. That's super cool. It's like you're getting two for the price of one when you get an ambidextrous player like that. So what kind of a striker is he? Typically, we've got a big striker up front, number nine, that, you know, is not that too up front like you've described. So just tell us um, how, how is he? What's his game? Yeah, that, 
this is such a, an interesting thing because, again, he's got experience playing in a lot of different places. You know, started out at center mid at Chattanooga. He played all across the front three. Um, and then when he came to Union Omaha, um, he uh, moved to that, that central striker role. And at Union Omaha, uh, this is a really interesting thing. He, I mean, he was really involved in build-up play. He could be, um, in fact, you know, as far as the two strikers go, he was the one who was passing back more. So, obviously, he's kind of helping recycle play and keep moving it forward. So, he, he's good with his back to goal. But re- really, his strongest attribute, man, he is so good at stretching the opposition defense, sitting on that last defender, and, um, you know, kind of creating space for his teammates to work. And you saw so many goals. He was asked uh, kind of who, you know, emulates his game after. And obviously, I don't think he really had an answer for that. He didn't really want to answer that. But he talked about some people that he who people described him as. And one of those was Jamie Barney, one of those who can run in behind, who can get a who can get a good goal in. Um, and I think that's true to an extent. Um, but obviously, I don't think that kind of gives the full picture of his game. I don't think he would say that gives the full picture of his game either. He's a really well-rounded striker um, after playing on the wings and in that, that furthest forward striker role along the, the last line of opposition. Um, he just brings so much um, to the team. Okay. Okay. So something that uh, coach Rick Shantz demands from all of his players is defense. So do you get defense from Greg? Hurst? Oh, surely, surely. Greg Hurst was uh, again, that Union Omaha side, uh, as far as defensive structure goes, I cannot think of a better team that I've seen as far as in this league goes, uh, you know, outside of Greenville uh, for the past, you know, for its entire existence, really, this league that has been better at a structured defense than, um, than Union Omaha. And that starts at the front. It doesn't start in a low block. It starts as soon as they lose the ball, their strikers are fighting to win it back. And Greg and Evan both, they were uh, at the top of their of per 90 um, possession one in the final third for the season. Um, and Greg, in fact, turned two, uh, two, two of those turnovers that he created uh, into goals. Um, and so Greg is really great in that, uh, in that pressing forward kind of role where he's able to affect play both on and off the ball. Uh, he was so good. Uh, I, I remember one game in particular that I watched was against North Texas. He's just so good at denying space centrally uh, and really being disciplined at uh, just kind of his role for the team. He wasn't necessarily the one always chasing after people, but he was just, he sat in really good positions high up the field and was able to press when needed. And when he wasn't, he just was really disciplined and it caused a lot of chaos ironically for opposition teams. And so, um, yeah, you're, you're going to get a lot of that out of Greg Hurst. In fact, he, he even said himself that he, one of his, one of the best parts of his game is that he loves to defend. And so that's really cool to hear from your striker when you want a cohesive unit, uh, especially the way that Phoenix rising play. And so, yeah, you, you'll get a plenty of that from Greg. Awesome. So we've got our off season games starting in the next few weeks and then our season kicks off on March 12th. So, you know, we can't wait to see him on the field and it's going to be soon. He just arrived and, you know, it's, just, it's fantastic that we're going to see him like right out, right at the gate. So thank you so much. You've, you've really given us a good picture of, of what to expect. I hope that he has a fantastic year with us. Good luck to Greenville Triumph and uh, you must come back on, you know, mid season and give us an update and we, we hope things go well for you guys. Really appreciate that. Man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun.
Hi everyone, this is Brandon Keniston, goalkeeper with Phoenix Rising, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. John Morrissey, welcome back to the show. You've become something of a regular on this show and we're delighted to have you. You're kind of our eyes and ears for what's going on in the league. So John, what's going on in the league? Hey Niall, thanks again for having me on just to kind of talk about some of the developments across the league. Maybe not the most busy week overall, but I think there were a lot of major things that went down that are going to have wide-reaching effects as we think towards the season a little bit here, and it's coming up pretty quickly. I think the first thing to note is Jose Gallegos finally getting his move away from San Antonio FC. He's a 20-something-year-old, very low 20s attacking midfielder, came up through their youth system one of the most dynamic players in the USL. If you look at his total value added over the last two seasons, um, he's a top 20 player across the league, despite being a teenager across those seasons. One of the most dynamic attackers, dribblers that you could have possibly watched across uh, United Soccer League action. And he paired splendidly with Marcus Epps, who should become familiar to Phoenix fans. Um, the two really combined well, and I think it was a good sign for Epps that he was able to work off of such a creator. But Gallegos got his move to Denmark for nearly $600,000, a big day for USL in terms of what the youth potentials can generate for teams in this league, which is exciting. But um, San Antonio also made some moves in terms of goalkeeping. They signed Jordan Farr off of Indy. People may remember Farr, uh, not only for his really solid back top quarter of the league goalkeeping with Indianapolis, but he went on an emergency loan down the stretch and into the playoffs, in fact, for San Antonio. And that's not all. San Antonio also added a goalkeeper with international experience in the Colombian setup. So they're moving on from Matt Cardone, who played in every single match for them, but they've really bolstered their squad with some good depth there. I still think they're going to be weaker with the losses of those Gallegos and Epps types of players, but something to note. And I think goalkeeping actually was really the big story out of Phoenix this week as well. Um, I'm sure you're hitting on it, but Ben Lunt coming back in after the somewhat shortened loan stretch last year is going to be a big signing for this squad. Uh, The pedigree that he brings to the table is pretty much second to none for USL goalkeepers. Uh, In his last full season with Louisville City, he was in the 97th percentile for goalkeeping performance. He's consistently in that top quarter, top fifth of the league in terms of the goals saved above average, so your advanced metrics, or the quicker, dirtier, more obvious to the eye kind of safe percentage sorts of things. He's rock solid, and I think any Phoenix fan who saw him play knows that. Uh, One other Western goalkeeper signing to note would be Evan Newton coming into El Paso as well. He was excellent with Indy 11 over a couple of seasons ago, got his shot in MLS where I don't think he got a ton of playing time, but um, for an El Paso side that was losing really a key player in Logan Ketterer in goal, bringing in someone like an Evan Newton is a big deal. Uh, Just turning to a couple of other moves that are interesting, Rio Grande Valley has continued to basically fall apart. They saw Juan Carlos Azokar, who uh, played fullback on the opposite flank of another new Phoenix player, Babakar and Jay. Um, and he, uh, Azokar, that is, moved over to Oakland. He's really a jack of all trades sort of player, uh, played right back down the stretch and really bombed forward in the same way that you saw with his compatriot down the left. But I think he's going to be solid. And then um, RGV also saw Adrian Diz, who's a central defender, make a move to Tulsa. 
And in that vein, I just want to show a little bit of Eastern Conference love to what Tulsa has done this offseason. Um, you saw initially players like Marlin moving away, and you maybe thought, oh, this is going to be a weakened team, and the exact opposite thing has been the case. They signed Diz, who was a top quarter or so central defender in this league, one of the really big reasons that Rio Grande made the playoffs come in. Um, they also signed a Salvadorian international in terms of that center back position, which in discussions I've had um, with some of the people in the Tulsa front office was really an area of concern for them. And my numbers have backed that up as well. If you watch that team, they really had a lot of attacking talent, but it was that weakness at the back that just consistently bit them in the biggest moments. They also added JJ Williams up top at striker. Now, Williams is an interesting case. He spent last season with the Birmingham Legion, um, but he's got an MLS track record, a really good goal scorer, really physical presence. I think that's the first thing you would notice if you watch JJ Williams play, is that he combines excellent pace, a good frame with good movement. He's a little bit weak on the ball for my taste. There are some first touches that get away from him, and I don't think he's a very good passer. But if you're a Tulsa side that has a really good creative core, he's someone who's going to bang home opportunities. So that's something to watch most definitely. And then one other story that I've just been keeping track of is the formal confirmation of the um, addition of Des Moines to championship division. They'll probably slot into the Eastern Conference when they come over, which will lead to Tulsa, who I just mentioned, uh, sliding to the Western Conference probably. So luckily you're avoiding the Tulsa nascent juggernaut this season, but maybe something to look out for in future years. But yeah, that's what I've been tracking across the league. John, thank you so much for that. And I want to give a shout out to you for two articles that you produced in the last week or so. So our listeners can go to usltactics.wixsite.com and check out the two articles. One is called Inventing the Pyramid, League One's Importance to the USL and American Soccer, an incredible article. And the second one is Addressing the Conference Gap, USL Tactics Style. It's so good. Both of them, so good. So John, thanks for being on and we hope to see you next week. Hello, this is Juan Uresti from 90 Mass Rising, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. Kelly McCarthy, welcome back to The Fan Experience. Last week, you kicked off a new segment for us called Where Are They Now? How do you think it's going so far? I think it's going pretty well. I'm excited to continue and talk about another player today. And would you like me to start by just kind of reminding our listeners what this segment is about and sort of what the intention is. That would be so awesome. Okay, great. So in our Where Are They Now segment, we're just taking a look back at a couple of players in Phoenix Rising's recent past. And we selected these players either because they were particularly impactful or perhaps they were a fan favorite or maybe they were just my favorite. And took a look at kind of where they were before Phoenix Rising and where they are now. Woo, that's how we named the segment. And we wanted to kind of make this particularly relevant to Phoenix Rising by framing it around this question. Did their time playing for Phoenix Rising ultimately benefit their career? So kind of looking at that trajectory of from prior to Phoenix Rising to post Phoenix Rising. 
Awesome. And last week it was Chris Cortez. We had the, the spotlight on him. What an awesome guy. He reached out to me during the week and we're going to get him on for some one-on-one time, um, maybe during the season. We'll see if we can surprise our audience with uh, with some new information about Chris. Um, who's, who have we got this week, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. So this week we're going to be talking about AJ Cochran. And let me just say, if that becomes a fringe benefit of this segment that we actually hear from the players, probably because they're distraught with my poor research and decide they want to come on the show, that will be the real purpose of this segment. But this week we're going to talk about AJ Cochran. I thought of that too. And the first thing I thought is that maybe we should make our next player Didier Drogba. Right aim for the stars. There you go. My French isn't that good, though. (laughs) So AJ Cochran is 28 years old. He's from Missouri. He joined Phoenix Rising for the 2019 season. And this is actually the first season, Niall, when you and I were season ticket holders. And you might remember that AJ Cochran was indeed right away one of my favorite players. For sure. And in doing my research about AJ Oh my gosh, I was stunned. I mean, just really surprised in terms of his pedigree and how decorated his early career was. So before I jump into that, Niall, um, I just want to ask you, do you know what his name, AJ, stands for? Uh, I'll take a crack. Alec John. What? You're correct. <laughs> yes. I guess you did know. I actually didn't know that. It never even occurred to me to wonder what AJ stood for. So that's kind of weird. But yes, Alec John Cochran. So I mentioned that he is from Missouri and uh, starts really early. I talked about kind of these awards and accolades. His high school, CBC High School in St. Louis, Missouri, were state champions his junior year. So you can see he's really contributing to that team early on. And then in his senior year, he is named Gatorade Player of the Year. Are you familiar with the Gatorade Player of the Year, Niall? I am not. Nor was I. And it's actually pretty interesting. The program was established in 1985. And basically, they pick one player from each state in multitude of different sports and award them as that state's, like in this case, soccer player of the year. So there's 12 sports. Basically, there's seven sports, but for a bunch of them, there's men's and women's. And they look at within the state who is the best player representing that sport. Um, They're evaluated on three criteria, athletic excellence, obviously, academic achievement, and then exemplary character. So it's kind of like a really big deal to represent, say, the sport of men's soccer in your state. And that's what he was awarded uh, his senior year in high school. So super cool. By the way, I will just warn you, there are so many rabbit holes that you can go down when you're researching <laughs> AJ's career. And this is one of them. I totally recommend that you look up the Gatorade player of the year. It's super interesting. So anyway, I'm doing it right now, actually, as you're, as you're talking about this, you really should. It's super cool. And it's kind of interesting how they chose the sports as well. I'm kind of curious because there's certainly sports that aren't represented, but there's, there's the usual ones that you'd expect football, basketball, track and field is in there. I even think distance running is in there. So anyway, That's his high school career. Um, And then he goes on to have an impressive college career at the University of Wisconsin as well. So he goes there from 2011 through 2013. He leaves college after his junior year, but 
Before he leaves, he is named the Big Ten Defender of the Year. This is amazing. Now, Niall, you are, spoiler alert, not from the good old U.S. of A. You're from mm-hmm. Ireland, so you might not be familiar with some of these college conferences. Are you familiar with the Big Ten? Yes. Why are you familiar with the Big Ten? Isn't it? Okay. Um, I think that's where Ohio plays. <laughs> I was just checking, dear listeners, okay. that Niall actually belonged within my family. That's correct. <laughs> Ohio State plays in the Big Ten. Um, so very well done. You get to, we get to stay married. Um, so again, this is a really big deal. So these Big Ten Conference Awards have been recognized since 1991. At that point, it was just like the Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, And then in 2008, they started awarding the Offensive Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year. And then in subsequent years, they moved and they they started having a Midfielder of the Year, a Goalkeeper of the Year, etc. So anyway, A.J. Cochran is the Big Ten Defender of the Year in 2013. Um, As I mentioned, Ohio State is in this conference. Go Bucks! And you'll notice a lot of years, the Defender of the Year, the Player of the Year, these go to players from Ohio State. So, you know, you just really got to recognize, like, this is a tough conference to be in. Um, and to be the one player to get selected for this honor is a really big deal. So I happened to, again, another rabbit hole, I scoured the list um, of these Big Ten awards to see if there were any other names that we recognized. And in 2018, there was a very interesting uh, Big Ten goalkeeper of the year. Uh, any interest in guessing who it might have been? Hmm. Rolls, Andre Rolls? I know. I mean, no, it wasn't. And I'm sorry, that was just a really like <laughs> shot in the dark for you to try and guess. But this was one of the names that I recognized. It was actually Trey Muse. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Phoenix Rising fans will remember Trey Muse. He was on loan to San Diego Loyal as their goalkeeper for 2021. Um, in 2018, when he was the Big Ten goalkeeper of the year, he actually played for Michigan. So, boo. <laughs> But anyway, Niall, do you know who he is signed with for 2022? Um, God, I don't. No, and I, I mean, I haven't been keeping up with all these um, off-season moves, but I know you have been a little bit. But yeah, he's signed for Loudoun United for 2022. So okay. we'll keep our eyes out for him. And obviously, we'll be playing Loudoun in the 2022 season. So Super interesting. But anyway, so that's in 2013. He leaves University of Wisconsin to begin his professional career. And he does so by signing a Generation Adidas deal. Oh my gosh, can you believe all of this? So Niall, are you familiar with Generation Adidas? More than I am of the other two, but not a lot. So fill us in. Awesome. Well, I, I apologize for all these tangents. I had no idea that researching AJ Cochran would introduce me to all of these really cool programs and initiatives and agreements, but I won't get too far down this rabbit hole, but I will just mention Generation Adidas is a joint venture between MLS and U.S. soccer 
It was established in 1997, and the goal was to raise the level of young professionals in soccer in the U.S. So it takes players who are not yet eligible for the MLS Super Draft and allows them early entry into MLS. So this was actually originally an initiative by Nike. It was called Project 40. And then in 2005, the sponsorship was taken over by Adidas, and it changed names to Generation Adidas, and it still goes strong today. So it was actually originally intended to improve the U.S. national team player pool, but you know, in subsequent years, the American national team eligibility was no longer required for program entry. So basically, what I'm understanding is maybe we don't have to be American. But Generation Adidas players do not count against the MLS senior roster, and they usually earn a much higher salary than the league minimum. So, you know, this really, as I mentioned, goes down a rabbit hole. I just was looking into sort of the MLS rosters. And for most of you who are familiar with that, the MLS senior roster is kind of players one through 20 on an MLS roster. And these Generation Adidas players can fit into sort of uh, players 21 through 24 on that 30 player roster for an MLS team. So entering into this program automatically classifies a player as professional, thus disqualifying them for playing college for playing college soccer in the future. Really interesting, but as a result of this, Generation Adidas players are guaranteed scholarships to continue their college education should their professional career not pan out. So just really fascinating. Again, it's a beautiful rabbit hole. It's just so interesting, all of these agreements that you'll find with US soccer, with MLS, with the USL. But I did look for other notable names from this program. I really just looked for USL connections, people who had been part of this generation Adidas. And names include Damian Lowe, who we're all familiar with, Josh Yarrow, Corey Herzog participated in this program, JJ Williams, and I mean, so many more. So again, if you feel like doing some research, if you're bored in this off season, if there's not enough Phoenix Rising things to be looking into, definitely check out Generation Adidas. Oh yeah, so Kelly, I, I know Generation Adidas with big names like Tim Howard, Demarcus Beasley, Josie Altador, big names in American yep. soccer. Yep. Yep. It's a way for them to get into that MLS. Yeah. So amazing. So, so just remind us, um, AJ Conqueron, we're talking about Generation Adidas because mm -hmm. he participated. That's correct. He was, he joined the MLS after his junior year in college, which was 2013. So in 2014, he gets into the MLS via Generation Adidas um, and his professional career starts with the Houston Dynamo. He plays with them for two seasons and he plays a fair amount actually, but as part of that two-year stint with Houston Dynamo, he also plays on loan in the USL with Charleston Battery. So after the 2015 season, his contract option is not picked up, and this begins his career in earnest with the USL. So he starts with St. As I mentioned, he played with Charleston Battery a little bit, but then he gets signed with St. Louis FC. Then he plays with Atlanta United 2, and then he arrives with Phoenix Rising for the 2019 season. So in the press announcement, sort of regarding his signing with us, it was noted that in his previous season with Atlanta United 2, he made 30 appearances and he led that club in blocks, tackles one, duels one, and aerial duels one. So he really comes to us, as I mentioned, very decorated and having just come off a great season with Atlanta United 2. 
Now, Phoenix Rising fans will remember his strong pairing with Joey Farrell during the 2019 and 2020 season. They were our key center backs, and he was really a stalwart of that back line. So, Niall, what are your memories of AJ? Do you remember him fondly? I do. I remember him on the back line a lot with Corey Whelan more than Joey Mm. Farrell. So were they battling it out? They were. They absolutely were. Yep. Um, My memory of AJ Cochran, just really quickly, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, he was a favorite player of mine. um, And you know, regular listeners of the podcast will know I'm always kind of criticizing that back line for leaving their feet. Not a huge fan of slide tackling in our back line, but AJ Cochran was just absolutely so amazing at the sliding block. Like he just really knew when he needed to leave his feet. He just knew how to just time it absolutely perfectly. Can you picture him, Niall, just like hurling himself and just like absolutely making contact with that ball he knew when a striker was going to shoot he was fantastic in terms of his timing so so anyway yeah he's with us for 2019 2020 a lot of us really enjoyed him but we didn't continue with him and he made the move to Indy 11 after the 2020 season so he was with Indy 11 this past season for 2021 now Indy 11 did not make the playoffs in 2021 they ended their season 9 15 and 8 they were 6th in the central division and kind of one of the first moves that they did in the off season was to sack their coach and wow didn't they have a huge pickup their first postseason announcement was the signing of a new head coach. Go ahead and say it. Who was it, Niall? Yeah, from uh, El Paso Locomotive, Mark Larry. That's right. So huge pickup. Um, we're probably going to see exciting things from them in the 2022 season after having you know this great signing with Mark Lowry. And then on December 10th, the team announces that they're continuing to build their roster. They announced... They had announced already five re-signings. And then on December 10th, they say they're continuing to build this roster. They've contracted AJ as well as two other players from other teams. So you can really see how much they value him. It was one of, you know, one of the first postseason announcements was that they re-signed him. And in that press release, they say, quote, Cochran comes back to the Circle City after starting 18 of 21 appearances in 2021, numbers that could have been higher if not for a concussion suffered in early September. Despite the missed time, the St. Louis native and University of Wisconsin product was one of the squad's most productive backline members with 19 blocks, 69 clearances, and 35 interceptions. The 2022 campaign will mark the 28-year-old center back's eighth season in the USL Championship. So they are obviously really excited to have him back. And, um, you know, I think he is their only center back. You know, they play with a three back system, I'm pretty sure, at Indy 11. So very excited for him, excited to see what he'll do under his new coach as well. Very cool. Hey, I just want to talk about Mark Lowry for a second there. So he was with El Paso Locomotive, had a strong season, uh, strong, I think it was three years with them. Yep, three seasons. yeah, and then um, he he announced that he was leaving, and social media, you know, the 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 supporters from El Paso were kind of shocked that he was leaving because they loved him in El Paso, and the 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 word that 
The concern was that he was fired. And the news came out later that he wasn't fired, that it was his choice to move. And he talked about his reason for moving. And it was, I thought it was super interesting. He talked about how he wanted to move up in his career up to the MLS and that he was applying for positions and he wasn't getting a call back. And, you know, I could I can understand his frustration that he's doing really well as the technical director and head coach of this brand new team. And they have a good record for three years and he's he's getting no traction as he's sending his resume out. So he decides that he wants to move to somewhere that has more MLS clubs so that he can network. So I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing it, but I think I'm paraphrasing this correctly. So that's why he saw the opportunity to coach a team up there, obviously, um, you know, a team with potential. They didn't make the playoff last year. So now with him, if he can make the playoffs with them, then he's a success. He's had a, a successful year with them and he will be closer to other MLS teams and MLS coaches that he can, you know, um, grease palms with. Is that the right expression? He can. I think so. <laughs> grease palms. I think that means pay money, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. bribes. No, 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 I'm not suggesting. We're not suggesting that on this podcast. No. Um, He'll get into that, that MLS no matter how he has. To <laughs> <laughs> just that he can he can make friends and hopefully put put a smiling face behind that resume next time he hands it in. So sure. good luck I mean... to Mark Lowry. Listen, that's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> I can absolutely appreciate taking a team that you think is underperforming, uh, turning it around and holding that up as like, hey, you know, look what look what I've done. I've taken this team that ended up sixth in the Central Division and now we're champions or whatever. And and that's kind of a reflection of how quickly you can turn a team around. And maybe that's his, his intention and and that's amazing. But you know, to move to be in Indianapolis, <laughs> in Indiana, to be closer to other MLS teams, like in a, in a digital world where, you know, you can be recruited from other countries. That's an odd one to me, but who am I to doubt his motives? And either way, it's super exciting for him. It's super exciting for the team. Um, you know, there'll be a team to watch, no doubt. And we'll be watching AJ Cochran as well. So just kind of to round out this conversation. And by the way, thanks to our listeners for letting me go down those rabbit holes and, and kind of explaining some of those cool initiatives that AJ Cochran led us to. You know, the question we were going to frame all this around is, was playing for Phoenix Rising good for his career? And to be honest with you, this is a tough one for me. I mean, we had some great seasons while AJ Cochran was with us. Mm -hmm. So I think he had an, you know, he was sort of put in a national spotlight. You know, he was part of that 20 game win streak. Um, but he moves on, you know, he, he doesn't stay with the team. We don't pick him up. He moves on to a team that doesn't make the playoffs that had, you know, a losing season. He doesn't get back to the MLS, which is where he started his professional career. And he's being referred to as kind of a USL veteran, which doesn't really bode very well for future moves. So, you know, obviously playing for Phoenix Rising is never a harm to your career, but he didn't exactly, if you look at that trajectory where he was to where he went, um, this wasn't really a step up for him. What are your thoughts now? Uh, I think I have to agree with you, Cal. I, I think um, he you know, going from Phoenix Rising to Indy 11 
is not a step up. It might be a step in the right direction if he's going to be closer with his family, for example. Sure. But yeah. in terms of your career, I don't see it as being a, a positive, uh, um, an upward move. Yeah. Although we know now it's a hub for hobnobbing <laughs> MLS teams. But I will go. say, speaking speaking of family on a personal note, I follow him on Instagram and he is very recently married. So it's not all bad news. There's <laughs> <laughs> good news for AJ Cochran. You know, he's made some some great personal moves and now he's got this new coach. So who knows what will happen in the future. And, you know, nonetheless, we really enjoyed having him play for Phoenix rising. He was fun to watch. I thought he was an awesome player. And, you know, like I said, we had really successful years when he was with us. So um, it was, it was really fun to do some research on him. I had no idea what I was going to find. I mean, just between Gatorade player of the year and generation Adidas and these big 10 awards, like it was really cool to look yeah. into him and I'm looking forward to, you know, doing a deep dive on some other players as well. I'm so glad that you did go down those rabbit holes and, <laughs> and tell us about those, those various awards and accolades because, you know, they're, they're part of the game and, and it's important that we, we recognize them and, and we understand what people are talking about when they're presented to us. Well, and it's part of, you know, the history of soccer in the U S you know, right. like there is a history um, there there are these programs and initiatives that relate to MLS and that relate to growing the sport and to getting players in younger and to sort of that homegrown feel that we work towards in the MLS as well as in the USL. So yeah, it's all relevant. It's all really interesting. And I hope people will do their own research and share back with us as well. So awesome. AJ Cochran, congratulations on tying the knot. Kelly McCarthy, thank you so much for being with us this week. It was a fantastic segment. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. This is Rick Shantz, the head coach of Phoenix Rising, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. That's episode 41 in the bag. If you haven't done so already, do check out episode 39 where we reflected on the upcoming schedule, episode 36 where we did a roundup of Phoenix Rising's 2021 season, and of course, episode 35, the interview with our coach, Rick Shantz. Special thanks to Brandon Mays. It was his first time behind the mic and what an awesome job he did. Thanks to Kelly McCarthy and of course to John Morrissey for being fantastic guests. You won't regret the time you spend reading John's article, Inventing the Pyramid, League One's Importance to the USL and American Soccer. It's totally free and it's on usltactics.wixsite.com. The name of this episode is episode 41, Phoenix Rising, the Greg Hurst episode. We could have named it the COVID episode part two. Thanks for putting up with all the husky voices that you've been hearing on the pod. If you know any Phoenix Rising fans who have businesses and would like to run a free ad on the show, please let them know that we're here for them. A friend of Rising is a friend of ours. We're all in this together, supporting each other, looking out for each other. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, thoughts and ideas to thefanexperiencefc at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at FanExperienceFC and the invitation is always there for you to come on the show and talk Rising. We're officially in the preseason, and I've got homework for you. And that's simply to stand in the mirror and practice your cheer, just like I'm about to do on the count of four. Four. Go Rising! Go Rising!